This episode of Transmissions is brought to you by Prime Toys, where you can get collector-grade toys without the collector-grade prices. Check them out at primetoys.net and pre-order the upcoming Titan-class Devastator. Use the code TRANSMISSIONSJULY for 10% off and make a great price even better. This episode of Transmissions is also brought to you with support from our listeners. If you are able to donate and can help us make Transmissions as good as it can be, please visit our support page at transmissionspodcast.com support. On that page, you will find links to our Patreon page and a way to donate via PayPal. If you can't donate monetarily, please help us out by spreading the word about our show. That's the that's, that's my mark. It's nice because you know you're not, you're normally you're going to attack me. You're going to say it was going so well and it turned to shit. And I'm like, well, you know, can you explain yourself? I'm like crying and be catching up with the camera. So roll turn, right? <laughs> my head all the time <laughs> I'll be tossing and turning at three in the morning yep like when, like when they do like a like a dream montage on TV with a head going above mine spinning around saying the same words again and again <laughs> there's tar and there's roller spinning and, uh, <laughs> we've we're uh, this is like this is our third third time yeah this is our third time here yeah <laughs> Sounds like old friends, like old, old, like a married couple, a sexless married couple, just together out of habit. Yeah. Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the Transformers. Welcome to Transmissions, live from TFCon. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C. We're joined by Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Let's talk some James Roberts. Transmissions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and of course, Jeremy, unfortunately, is not here. Because he's a pussy. <laughs> Doesn't feel the same without Jeremy. Um, <laughs> I nearly... Refused to do this. <laughs> so we're live from TFCon Toronto, and we're proud to welcome Mr. James Roberts back on the show, writer of the excellent More Than Meets the Eye comic. We've had the pleasure to talk with him last year at BotCon 2014 and at TFCon Chicago. To steal a line from The Simpsons, it won't be long before this yearly pastime becomes an annual tradition. <laughs> Thanks for jo- Thank you for joining us again, James. Thank you. This is like, yeah, this is like the end of the uh, trilogy, isn't it? Yes. The, the inevitably disappointing third installment. <laughs> this is this is Back to the Future Three. It's Godfather Three. It's Matrix. Oh God! Oh. Uh, it, yeah. Um, reloaded was it? Ah, uh, yeah. No, Revolutions. Reloaded yeah. was the second one. Revolutions. Wow. Yeah. They just kept getting better and better. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah. So in the grand tradition of things climaxing. <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I mean I mean, if we do this in the traditional sense I mean you can ask me a question and we're going <laughs> to run with that I mean I, I can monologue no we, so uh, well I, actually why don't we start off with uh, the road to issue 50 so uh, mm-hmm. when we talked uh, back at TFCon uh, Chicago we talked about how your vision was to make it to issue 100 and looks like we're about to hit the, the halfway point there 
Yeah, it's going really fast. Um, because, so, issue 43 is out at the end of the month. And, because these, these things are all staggered, you know, on the production side. So, yeah, we've got 43 out at the end of the month. Um, I've just written 47. Um, solicits 48. Uh, 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 about to write those. Um, and then, Actually, things the issues are being slightly are written slightly out of sequence this time around. So issue fifty is uh, is the next one I'm I'm going to start on. Um, so yeah, it seems really close to me, and uh, in, in in terms of time, um, and that's going to be a six part story. Which, six part, wow, uh, which okay. is which is the biggest it's the biggest we've um, we've done so far, and that starts with it starts with issue fifty, okay, um, and then on to uh, into season three. So really, so issue fifty six. Um, at this stage, looks like the start of season three, mm-hmm. and you know suddenly, suddenly issue one hundred doesn't seem doesn't <laughs> seem too far away. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah, but um, but no. In terms of the uh, the, the 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 big fifty, the storyline around that. I mean, it's um, obviously all been building to this, and season two more than season one. Actually, I think in terms of the various plot threads that are brought together. When when I was sort of talking up season two, and maybe even when we spoke last year, when when it was. Uh, it was already underway. I think I said that um, it's that it's connected in, in in lots of different ways, and and, in, and nearly every issue has something to contribute towards the uh, finale. So uh, hopefully, there's uh, big payoffs. Cool, cool. Um, just to start off, uh, so uh, our friend friend of the show, Marion, who does the transcripts uh, for us. Uh, she sent me a message reminding me of a tweet you put out. I think it was back in March or April or so. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm going <laughs> to quote you here. Yep. Um, if you see me at any cons after issue number 41 comes out, ask me about the sequence at the end, which we cut for space. It's the best slash worst thing ever. Yes. Okay. So um, I-, I may well tell this anecdote if asked tomorrow. <laughs> so I don't know when this is going out. Um, It'll probably this week at some okay, point. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, okay, so I said it was the best slash worst thing ever. Okay, well, the emphasis is definitely on the latter of those two <laughs> words, okay? Um, and you will, you will readily agree with me. But nonetheless, so um, at the end of the last issue, the one that's just come out, mm-hmm. um, there is a um, – it's one of those things that's hard to describe without it sounding really odd. Uh, but, yeah, basically it's a, it's a dance-off style mm-hmm. thing. It's, it's a uh, – they'll, they'll get down on the lost line um, in swerves and – it crossed my mind in the early stages of writing it that the best slash worst thing ever would be to have Ultra Magnus in a Saturday Night Fever style uh, pastiche to to arrive and to sort of shed his armour as he dances, <laughs> which which you would, which of course would be awful, and yet. Part of me wants to see that, you know. So I had an image of him sort of just... A, and it's completely... Obviously, that's the main reason we didn't do it, because it was out of character. In every other respect, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, he would have um, just burst onto the scene and uh, <laughs> with the music kicking in, he just sort of... His, arm, his arms would have come off and then, you know, he's, until it was just Minimus Ambus at the end. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did it get drawn? <laughs> it didn't get from my brain onto oh. the page. No, it's... Uh, it's uh, it, 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 it barely hatched. Well, uh, Josh Bertram, you've been doing some deleted scenes. Hey, Josh could Josh could make it work, actually. Yeah, in perhaps in a way which which other people would struggle to make that work. Um, yeah, it, yeah. So um, there you go. It's out there. I'm, I'm sure there'll be a clamour when you know. Perhaps when we do the season two collected hardcover, you know, edition, we'll um, 
you know, maybe get your seniors drawer or something like that. Or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Ultra Magnus and Minimus Ambus, one of the things I did notice in the last uh, two-issue arc, you had Minimus Ambus uh, basically walking around without his yes. armor and yeah. interacting with everyone and... Uh, just being out, you know, out comfortable outside of his mm-hmm. uh, his Magnus armor. So mm-hmm. do you, do you see him as uh, kind of testing things out where he wants to see if he can? Uh, yeah, it, it followed on from um, from issue forty where he'd um, he'd misplaced his data pad with the, with the poetry on, yeah. and uh, and he sort of made a friend in ten, and um, and got, <laughs> as the issue sort of explores it, it sort of it ultimately leaves him feeling more comfortable mm-hmm. without the armor. Yeah, the, 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 that particular thread climaxes with him entering Swerves uh, as he really is, you know, with ten next to him. Mm-hmm. So it was it was doing two things. Issue the next two two parter. It was it was building on that, but also um, it was whether when he's armored up, he's more charismatic than than he is without it. But yeah, that, so would would he have been a, a target for the uh, parasites for the personality ticks? Um, oh, okay. so yeah, so it, it it was useful actually. It was principally because of his character development. But I thought actually it also solves that other problem because I'm not saying charisma comes down to you know phys- how physically imposing you are, but certainly he's um, one of the whole reasons he likes to stay in the armor is because he's an he's sort of a different character, mm-hmm. and, um, and part of that is down to the the respect that he gets and the charisma that he exudes. So uh, having him stripped back helps the uh, help me simplify the story. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking at when I was reading it, I was thinking, well, I, I bet he'd like to have his armor on at the moment when all the things are attacking him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's, he's, he's suited up again for the next couple of issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing about, if we can uh, focus in on the, the last two-parter for a little bit, so uh, the personality ticks uh, storyline uh, there's a there's a part where they mention that uh, they have this kind of nondescript medic who came <coughs> to repair Thunderclash, and at the end they surmise that it was one of the personality ticks. So, is it, do you did you envision like the that they can kind of since they can they are naturally able to deflect the tension, they can mm-hmm. even kind of project a persona that just makes everyone kind of ignore that they're that they weren't actually Transformers or. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's all, it's all very high concept, isn't it? Um, and it's, I mean, they're sort of, they're like an abstract villain, really. So, you know, the, the rules, the rules are bendable. Yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah, the idea was that it, they're, they're so difficult to, to place, um, in terms of calling them to mind, um, that, you know, your sort of, your natural inclination is to assume they were similar, similar to, similar to you, really. Um, they're, they're sort of vaguely <coughs> chameleonic, I suppose, but, um, yeah, it was just, they they really well I think this is a line of tribute um, used to describe Ron but I mean they they leave such a shallow footprint in your consciousness that you sort of fill in the gaps yourself and I think one's inclination is to you know project as you say mm-hmm. okay yeah actually my my spectacularly wrong theory was uh... <laughs> if it's better than what I've just said <laughs> well uh, my 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 wrong theory was that actually. Uh, since the, since they had mentioned that the medic was female, my theory was that it was actually Nickel, and that oh, she had right. yeah, yeah, yeah. smuggled aboard the Vispus Talus in order to assassinate Thunderclash <laughs> by saying she was repairing him, but then releasing oh, those spores oh, okay, or whatever okay, into, into okay. him. Or whatever. Yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Charles. <laughs> Why are you such a dick? Yeah. <laughs> Any other stories you want to improve upon? <laughs> uh, 
No, we're keeping, we're keeping the uh, DJD and the, and the and the crew separate. So, ah, okay, yeah. okay. So, um, yeah. So, I guess at the end of that issue, is Thunderclash now joining the Lost Light? Yeah, so that was the. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's 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 still on the Medi Bay, but on the Lost Light, and um, Firestar and the others have sort of nicked his ship, which is nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so he'll be uh, he'll he'll come around soon enough. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. I imagine that's going to cause some tension in the leadership structure of the of the Lost Light. A yeah, it'll get a little crowded. The, the, the dynamic will get a bit complicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Thunderclash and Megatron, yeah, um, should really rub along. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rod, Rod, Rodimus is just going to be pissed off. <laughs> he just, yeah, he's going to have he's going to have Megatron here, he's going to have Thunderclash here. Yeah, wow. Rod, Rodimus. Hasn't really worked out for him since you know it was it was going all right you know um, yeah he turned a corner he at the end of Dark Side Rema- yeah and yeah, yeah in remaining light you know he sort of yeah. turned over a new leaf and then yeah. Um, you know yeah, as you say it's sort of Dark Cybertron you know he had that heart to heart with Prime and he helped Prime or Orion become Prime again yeah. so he was, he was thinking yeah I'm going pretty good and then there was this brilliant idea to make Megatron <laughs> captain slash co captain thing yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess, uh, I don't know if you, have you, uh, I, I don't know if you listen to the Underbase podcast when they do the, when they review your comics. I, um, I, I do sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've listened to the most, the most recent review and I wonder if I can ask you a couple of, uh, these are, uh, these are questions. Like cannibalizing another podcast. <laughs> well, so, um, so Chris McFeely <laughs> has had a, a little bit of criticism for, I guess, the last couple of issues as, uh. That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. That uh, I, I believe he ter- he used the term the, that they are uh, kind of wallowing in their more than meets the eye-ness uh, a little bit. And, well, uh, I'd say, Chris, I wouldn't read the next issue if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd skip straight to issue 44. <laughs> anyway, yes, go on. And uh, I guess also they – and I'm not familiar with Red Dwarf, but they mentioned that uh, it, it seemed very, uh, very close to a Red Dwarf uh, Such a great episode. Show. That's a compliment. Thanks, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Underbase. So, uh, um, so I wonder if it, do you? Do, I guess I've I've heard a little bit of of I guess criticism that the second season has been a little bit more kind of dialing up the the um, the things that the fans have responded to from the first season and. Uh, maybe making it a little bit more like exaggerating things more than uh, than I guess is good for the story. I don't know. Okay, that's 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 the I guess the main criticism. I don't know how you yeah, respond yeah. to that. Um, well, he's doing our show and not there. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I responded. To it. Yeah, I said I didn't listen to the underbase. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, why don't you, yeah, well, uh, what do I say? I mean, um, is it the case that I'm writing or that I've started writing specifically, you know, to, to um, am, am I writing out of a sense of what I think fans will like in particular? No, um, no more than I did in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, has it become a more, more, more than meets the eye? Uh, probably yes, because it's, it's, you know, we're over 40 years into it. Um, it's, it's, it found its voice. Um, that voice is getting louder, for, for better or worse, if, depending on you know on, on, on where you're coming from as a reader. Um, I've tried to do um, different things with season two. Um, I have, I've tried to dial it up in terms of the some of the high high concept stuff. Try to make it a bit different. Try to make it 
um, again, for better or worse, um, you know, different to, you know, your average Transformers comic and exploring mm-hmm. different things. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of season two and I wouldn't do it any differently if I, if I was back with, with EC28. Um, I mean, I know the cast has grown, so I know that some, some people would prefer to see certain characters more often. Um, and there's, you know, I try and give the spotlight to, you know, different characters so they each get their sort of their turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I've, I've tried to strike it. I mean, it's not me to say whether it's worked, but I've tried to strike a balance between, uh, the sort of deeper, more socio-political stuff, mostly around Megatron, um, the usual world building. Um, and yeah, the type of, you know, sort of back and forth bantery, um, va- vaguely or, or, or pointedly silly, you know, humorous stuff. Um, those are the usual more than, my, more than meets the eye ingredients. I mean, if you look back at season one, I, they're probably still there, you know. There was there was the weird stuff, um, and there was the you know there were the deaths, and there was the probably the same constituent ingredients that there is in season two. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you I'm glad you asked that. I do. I mean, I'm not I'm not oblivious to sort of currents of, of thinking and, uh, and and fan reactions, and I've none of what you said are a surprise. But um, I guess no, I, I guess. I'd say it's it's finding more than the eye to me now in season two is, is sort of has found has found the rhythm it's probably going to stick with that, that you know what what you've got now is probably the, the essence of more than the eye so you're going to get you're going to get some deliberately um, ludicrous or, or outlandish or unusual episodes like the personality ticks mm-hmm. you know where you have got an abstract villain um, which is yeah it's red dwarfian it's it's a bit hitchhikers um, it probably yeah I've heard it said it sort of taps into what could be a particularly British style of um, science fiction, which doesn't take itself too seriously, maybe Doctor Who esque as well, where you can riff on, um, you know, the more the more abstract things. Um, so you have that type of episode, you know, or, or story where you know the, the climax revolves around two people walking into a room, you know, and, and that appealed to me because it is something other than, uh, uh, you know, the villains being beaten by. A punch or a shot or an explosion or whatever. So it was, it was trying to do something different there. So you get the silly episodes. Um, you know, you've had, you've had sort of, um, the mythos heavy ones, which would be elegant chaos, you know, which yeah. is very continuity heavy. I mean, it, it, it sort of eats itself really in terms of, you know, self reference. <laughs> um, but, but at the same time, it was, it was trying to be sort of a bit, a bit, a bit of a romp as well. Um, and you know, yeah, I mean, we've, we've tried to, we've, we've built on, um, the supporting cast from season one. I mean, we've had the DJD focused issue. We've got a two part scavenger story coming up around the corner. So, um, you know, we tried to enhance, um, elements of season one. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's gone as I wanted it to go in, in nearly all respects. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll okay. see how, how people, how reactions, um, you know, carry on from this point forth. I have a follow up. The just like, as the writer, I know you're very biased as to the writing of the book, um, but would you say that More Than Meets the Eye can be too too heavy for its own good sometimes? Well, I, that's that. I'll tell you what's interesting about that question is because you'll get people that will say it's too heavy for its own good. You'll get people that say it's too silly. And you'll get people that say it's it's lightweight and throwaway because because the because of the mainly because of the, the, the banter between the characters or, right. or the jokes, um, and 
you know, is, 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 is it, is it, which, which one of those is it? Right. Or is it, or is it a mixture? And, yeah. and I think it's, um, it's a mixture. Sometimes it's a mixture within the same issue. Someone right. before actually was talking about how, you know, it, you, you can, it can explore quite dark themes, yes. but it does so, um, or it can do so in a, in a, in a quite light, light-hearted way. Um, you know, there's, there's rug pulls, there's, there's mood whiplash and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, you can't please everybody and, and, you know, all your mileage may vary and people are going to take, there are some people that like, uh, the sort of what they, the nuttier, grittier, um, I suppose more intellectual things in terms of exploring right. Megatron's, um, yeah, political leanings. Yes. Um, and there are those that prefer, you know, the sort of more action oriented stories and stuff. But it's, um, I, I try, I try and mix and match it up a bit. So you get, you get, you know, you get a flavour of all those things in, in most issues, I hope. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Me? I, I, I'm a lightweight when it comes to these. Charles is the heavy. He loves the, the mysteries and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and, and without the show, I, I would be lost without having access to Charles. Uh-huh. Because when I say that, when I say I'm confused by what just happened here, and he says, well, remember back in issue three when yeah. this happened? And then this, that affected issue, you know, 27. Mm. And then this is now happening here. And I said, no. I don't. <laughs> and he says, "Well, that all happened." It, it can, it and, can, yeah. I mean, it can be pretty know. unforgiving to to, yeah. to. I'm not saying you're someone who dips into it, but it, it's it's not a book you can you can graze. Mm-hmm. Um, it is dense. Each issue is dense uh, informationally, um, and um, it does it does expect a certain level of commitment in terms mm-hmm. of um, familiarity with the back issues and stuff. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I sort of quite like that. Um, I know, and it may be doing, um, it may be doing some damage actually in that, in that it is perhaps a new reader resistant. Um, but I suppose the flip side of that is if you are a longer term reader, or two side, two things really, I, I, I'd hope it bears multiple rereadings. Um, I, hopefully because you want to do it anyway, but also because, you know, you can pick up different things. Um, but I, I mean, uh, speaking personally as, as a comic book reader, I always liked it when, um, a story uh, you know, forced you to call to mind something which happened a long time ago and gave you the impression that it was, everything was interconnected and that, yes. and then there was a bigger story being told. There certainly is a bigger story being told um, in more than Um Imagine if you're on a train and, um, you know, depending depending on the distance from your carriage, you know, things are moving at different speeds. That's sort of where we are once more than meets the eye. You know, it, what's immediately in front of you is, 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 the, is the A story in that issue. And then there's various sort of arcs that are moving at different speeds. And the ultimate one, you know, which will climax with the last issue is, 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 on, the, is on the horizon. So um, I suppose, yeah, you've got to get into the, uh, not you, but you know, want us to, want us to um, be prepared to uh, either go to, go to the wiki or to, uh, <laughs> or to, or to, or, or be in a position where you have, you know, re-familiarised yourself with all this use to the point where you can pick up on some of the, the nods and the callbacks and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that is that is what I love about More Than Meets the Eye. I really enjoy having a book that feels completely internally consistent to me and, and you know, that it, it makes you work for picking up on those little clues and, you know, you can it's it's like a puzzle. You can, mm. uh, st- you can unlock and there's even... The chance you could get ahead of the writer if you if you yeah, pick yeah, up which enough is, on the which clues, has happened, which, which has definitely happened. Yeah, just, yeah. with the slaughterhouse one, I think we talked about that last yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
So how are you dealing with the loss of two pages per comic? Yeah, that that's um, yeah, it's, it's 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 one of those things. Um, it does. Yeah, I mean, two pages is is is, is nearly ten percent of the issue. So um, yeah, it forces you. I mean, uh, yeah, it's um, it happened. The the stories for the season had already been mapped out when when that decision was made. Um, I don't know to to what extent approaching series three with that in mind will change the shape of the stories. I think I think there'll be more two parters uh, or three parters in uh, in season three. Um, but yeah, I mean I mean we all know that more than Missy I even with twenty two pages was pretty pretty tightly packed. So you know so so doing doing this twenty is uh, is tough, but. You know, we, I found a couple of ways to, uh, to to give to give the readers longer issues um, through sort of you know reframing or recycling or whatever. That happens again next issue, mm-hmm. um, which is um, twenty four pages actually, and um, and happens again in the issue issue forty five, I think. Yeah, so you know, we find way, there's ways there's ways there's ways around it if you know, if, if the story demands it, um, but without obviously having new artwork and stuff. So it's just if, if you can have extra pages as long as there's no new artwork. Yeah, which sounds odd. I mean, there's only very limited situations where you can do that, but I mean, it just so happens that there's a couple of, <laughs> a couple of issues coming up where um, where it's been possible to do that. So okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Twenty pages. Um, I, yeah, there's no there's no plans to make it less than that at all. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I mean. Let's yeah, twenty or more. It's great. Thanks. <laughs> was that? Uh, I guess one of the things I noticed in, in the last two issues were like there was a lot of uh, uh, reaction to seeing a lot of the new female characters being introduced, mm-hmm. but they kind of were all off screen in the issue. Was that due to kind of losing that page count that they didn't get a chance to get? No, out? no, it wasn't that. It was um, what happened was the when the issue was solicited and they were on the front cover because you know they're, 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 it's. It's cover worthy, um, and then because Alex is is really good at you know he, he puts a lot of thought into character designs and things, um, and he's a big fem- fembot um, female Transformers fan. Um, so when when the issue was being planned, um, you know he, he went all out to give them uh, you know, very uh, accomplished and well considered um, designs. He, he came up with the names as well uh, and the alt modes and so on. Um, and so when the issue was announced um you know understandably he sort of, he sort of shared his his designs with the world um and i think that 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 it gave the impression that they were they had more prominent roles than, than they were ever going to have um and the reason they didn't have prominent roles is because you know it's, it, all told it's a 40 page story um it is just not possible to do justice to five six seven new characters um in that space when you've already got the Return of Thunderclash, you've got a murder mystery, you've got a, a character up for Nautica who, who needed some more um, time spent on, on, on her background um, and all the rest of it. And um, so, you know, I can see, I can see why, um, and, and when, and, you know, and seeing the reaction to the, to the, to the, to the drawings when it came out, you know, um, which was, it was lovely to see the excitement around it. But I think I almost, I almost more than once um, sort of came, I was going to say something, say, just let's, Let's manage expectations because these aren't um, these aren't front and center in in the two parts. I mean, they're still they're still out there. Um, there's only one fatality, and it wasn't one of the f- female transformers. Um, and I'm sure we'll see them again. Um, and you know, those designs are too good to waste. And those, you know, and I know people want to see more. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back. But uh, but it was never the intention to have them as uh, 
as the main focus of those two, of those two issues. Okay. And uh, continuing on that on the theme with the female Transformers, so we got introduced to uh, Firestar, who is uh, um, Nautica's uh, Amica Endura. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I guess one question I had, and, and I, I had talked a little bit about this on Twitter, and uh, I think people people didn't agree with me, so I'll ask you directly. Um, so I, I got the sense that the Amica Endura relationship was supposed to be similar to like a sibling relationship, like a brother sister or sister sister relationship, uh, as compared to the conjuncts endure, which is more like a, a spouse or mm-hmm. partner relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh and in the comic they both relationships have been called best friends and uh-huh. uh, at, at one time or another. Yeah. And yeah. uh and but they were also mentioned, I think in one issue Nightbeat mentions that it's a form of elective kinship. So that's what I got the sense that it's more of a a familial uh, relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, I mean, the, the, the blurring of the lines in terms of the, the, the best friends, I mean, I think the, the Kondrix and Dura was referred to, was presented as being analogous to best friends while we were building up to the re- right. rewinding Chrome Dome sort of um, relationship um, reveal, if you like, although it wasn't as much that, but, you know, but you know, the, the point where they sort of, it was established that they were, they were in a, a, a relationship analogous to sort of, you know, husband and wife. Um, or you know, or marriage rather than husband and wife, just you know, two two partners, spouse and spouse. Yeah, <laughs> all very loaded terms, aren't they? But, um, so yeah, so I think it was when it was other characters. I think Prowling and Sue one even, or somebody you know, it, the, sort of warm warm the readers up to that by using the best friend comparison. But that really isn't what Conjuring and Jura is about. Those, those aren't best friends. Those are those are two people um, in, in in a marriage. Um, Amica and Jura. I, I mean, I can see, yeah, with, with Nightbeats coming, I can see where you're coming up, coming from with the sibling thing, but with siblings, and there's always dangerous actually to, to draw too precise an analogy between the sort of Cybertronian cultural uh, features or norms and human ones. Um, which I know I say that as someone that does, you know, anthropomorphize a lot, <laughs> but, um, uh, with, with, you know, the sibling thing is, you know, you can't choose who your brother or your sister is. And so that, and that's often what makes for, Awkward relationships, you know, whether you get, you know, don't always get on with your brother or your sister, but you know, your family, so you've got to stick together. That shouldn't be the case with Amica and Dura. And it was unique to, um, um, to Nautica, Nautica society, um, that, um, that, you know, there were circumstances where you could sort of be almost forced to take, to take on a best friend. If you were without, um, a best friend, it was, you know, as you know, because it's in the issue. It was uh, frowned upon. It was it was a source of embarrassment. Right, right. So in those circumstances, you sort of make a panicked choice, <laughs> um, and you may well end up with somebody that isn't a good match for you. But um, in its in its true sense, in in, in its sort of um, most positive sense, uh, it's a it's a, a proper best friend. Okay. okay. <laughs> and is that a correction acceptable to you? <laughs> yeah, I have to accept it. He writes the comic. Oh, James, you've, you've diminished that concept to me. <laughs> I guess that that also leads to. I mean, um, I, I think, of course, this is a the, these relationships have been a new concept that you've introduced in more than meets mm-hmm. the eye. But of course, there is when you've got like a, a large cast of characters. The question is, why aren't there more of these relationships between different characters? You know why? Uh, yeah. Or maybe that's something that you might build up to in future issues. That maybe there are other characters that are forming relationships. We actually see that in the other um, in Windblade, uh-huh. 
there's a there's a couple of characters who are who are starting to form those relationships, and I was just curious if you had any any plans or thoughts about that. Um, well, I'm glad it's taken root as a concept, um, and, and that it's you know it's sort of we're seeing examples of it in other in other titles. That's good. Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple of explanations. One is that um, huge percentage of that race is dead, so you could have a race of, uh, of widows and widowers. Um, um, another explanation is actually it is rare to to find a chondrix in Jura. Chrome domes, um, you know, an exception to that perhaps. But we've looked at that. We've said that he's um, one of those people that really does sort of fall into these things more than most. So it could just be um, you know a, a rare occurrence to 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 be married. Um, and the third explanation is actually there are lots of other chondrix in Jura, but we just don't. How would you know unless we're focusing on unless they're main characters? Um, there could be. I mean, there's there's a um, 200 plus other members of the Lost Light we've not seen uh, before. There could be there could be a, a mixture of, uh, uh, of various combinations of conjurers and Jura there. So could be all that. Um, yeah, you may there may be more um, sort of um, uh, conjurers and Jura relationships in the spotlight in more than meets the eyes as we go forward. It would have to be no no. What, what was I going to say? It, yeah, I mean, it's just how it's how you frame it, how you present it. I, I was, I was almost, I was almost going to say, oh, it would need to um, further the plot, but it wouldn't. It just it'd be, it would be quite the opposite. It'd be one of those things, you know. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we did have brainstorm. We had an unrequited. Uh, yep. Um, uh, rela- well, I, right, it, yeah. what, it wasn't. It didn't ever become a relationship. That's right. But, uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I suppose I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm torn between wanting to make it so natural that it's 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 unremarkable, um, and um, and sort of wanting to uh, normalise it by actually having recognised um, or more recognised contracts and Jura relationships. So I will have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm. Uh, I guess uh, so. We did uh, leave a lot of plot threads at the end of season one with uh, the whole end of Remain in Light uh, mm-hmm. storyline. So, do you see some of those coming back as we go towards season two or the end of season yeah, two? Yeah, um, well, yeah. I mean, we've already sort of we've, we've nodded towards one of those things already with the uh, with Thunder Clash's yeah. um, etchings. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the return of the, of, of the symbol that Skids um, saw when he went yes. through the portal. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's going to be, um, there's going to be a ramping up of that as we, as we reach the season finale, sort of, a, it's a bit like the X-Files used to be really in the sense that you'd have a lot of standalones. Um, there'd be sort of a mid-season, um, sort of myth heavy, uh, myth arc heavy episode or, or story. And then inevitably at the end of the season, there'd be something which, which took, took things forward, um, a step. So yeah, there'll be, there's something, there's something big that's, that's just around the corner. Um, and, uh, I'm tempted to take this conversation down the road, uh, which talks about, you know, the uh, the speed, the progress they're making on their quest or, or not, and uh, the uh, we've achieved something. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, it's always going to be a series that's uh, it's it's about um, the things they get up to along the way, uh, because you know you're not. Um, there are certain quests where structurally. You need to find things out as you go in order to achieve it. And with the Knights of Cybertron, they've got a map, you know. The, the knights are there. <laughs> it's just taking us time to get there. Um, and so in some respects, it, it's, it leaves less, it creates less scope for, um, you know, more episodic quest-based stories, you know, where, okay, 
today unless we can do that we're not going to get any further on our quest you know it doesn't really have room for that um but clearly there is there is a, an arc and there's there's things twisting and turning in the background but um but but expect the focus principally to be about them having misadventures uh, along the way is there is there a draft or a table napkin or something written about i mean cuz that, that that's that's like you know the dessert before dinner Mm-hmm. The Knights of Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Okay, the dinner is is all these yeah. unique. So, uh, being a person <laughs> uh, who wants to taste the dessert first, yeah. is there is there something that exists on that meeting between the knights? That yeah, I may mean, or may not see the light of day, but is there something that exists? It's all um, yeah, it's all it's all it's all mapped out. Okay, so you know, the, I know what happens in the last issue. I know what needs to happen in terms of the myth the myth arc uh, before we get there. Um, I know that I know the season two finale, the season three finale, and the and what could be the last uh, the season four. But, and if if season four doesn't happen, then we bring it all on to um, I guess issue seventy five will be the the season three climax. But yeah, so rest assured, it's it's not a lost snarts type situation, uh, or indeed an X Files type situation where um, they sort of suddenly realised about halfway through season three, we better we better work out where this is going. So I do know where it's going. Um, and I'm parceling out the information uh, that people need. The dessert's been made. It's just, it's just chilled. Okay, it's just, it's just there. <laughs> <Just curious. laughs> um, I guess. Oh, I wanted to ask you about the like the start of the whole more than meets the eye robots in the skies era. We started with the end of chaos, where uh, at least we. I'm going to say we've been told this, but it. You know, it hasn't been shown in, in uh-huh. the comic proper that Vector Sigma sent out this signal that told oh, all yeah. the Transformers to come home. Yeah. But we're seeing as the Lost Light goes through its adventures that lots of uh, Cybertronians just ignored it or didn't yeah. put much mind into mm-hmm. that. Uh, so, uh, but we don't re- really hear anybody really commenting on that. So, like, for example, with uh, with the DJD episode, we yeah. have a whole yeah. ship full of Death Saurus's uh, Decepticons. Yeah. And the DJD themselves, of course, and, and I'm wondering if there's going to be any kind of mention of what the signal was, or you know, what how people reacted to it, who didn't decide to go back to Cybertron. Yeah, I mean, the closest we've come is in the Scavengers two part, where yeah. where, um, where Croc is, I think, explained to Fulcrum, who, yeah. was, who was unconscious um, when that happened, that you know, the signal was basically said, "Come home." Yeah, I mean the the implication is it's res- it's resistible. Uh, yeah, you're not compelled to stop what you're doing and run back, and therefore, by and large, the people that have heeded it um, are those that actually want, obviously want, want to go home, and those that tend to be neutrals or Autobots, um, and it tends to be uh, it tends to be the Decepticons that, um, for, for reasons that we'll, we will get to, um, I mean, there's a Scavengers two-parter which is just a hundred percent Decepticon um, sort of. Um, World building, really. Yeah. Um, that, that doesn't doesn't explicitly address that, but it will give you. Uh, it should certainly give you an insight into the motivations of various scattered Decept- Decepticon, um, you know, uh, cohorts. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a good question. I think I think the bottom line is uh, it was uh, it was basically a, a message which said, "Hey, if you want to come back, you know, you should come back. It's fine. Things are fixed." <laughs> But um, like I say, it wasn't like um, the Pied Piper or anything. They weren't, yeah, sort of, they yeah. weren't, they, they weren't uh, drawn inexorably towards Cybertron again. Did the colonies also receive that signal? I guess not. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, sort of, it's a bit. Um, 
Um, there's there's the in-universe explanation and there's the real-world <laughs> explanation. Uh, yeah, um, I guess um, I, people who are more continuity-focused than I am could probably create a very interesting explanation for why yeah. the signal was scrambled or never reached them, or maybe it did, and uh, yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's about to be explained in um, in, in, in the Windblade ongoing or something like that, or um, to the all the one. <laughs> the question that I got out of that one is... Uh, uh, issue with the uh, DJD and the, the source uh, ship was uh, there's a, a a chance that kind of popped into my head that, that the lost light could come across an entirely um, uh, I guess ransacked planet and, and taken over by the Decepticons mm-hmm. and they would have you know similar to the DJD at the time, would have no idea that anything had happened, mm-hmm. right? But they had conquered this planet, mm-hmm. right? And it would, in the same, in a, in a, for you as a writer, would give you a chance to bring back a lot of characters. Uh-huh. I was thinking of, uh, what's his nuts from the G1 issues? That was, uh, that <laughs> what's was, his nuts? Yes. The, uh, <laughs> team member, yeah. 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 <laughs> what's his nuts? I need, I need a little yeah. bit more description the, uh, the to give you a name. Uh, we lost the name for, uh, but uh, yeah, he's running a Cybertron for Megatron G one issues. Oh, um, Straxus. Straxus. Mm. Yeah, you could bring back Straxus because he would be a really good leader character. And he was on the. Um, he was on the. He was on the Dark One. The, the arc yeah. one. But yeah, oh, but I see. Yeah, yeah. actually, and it's funny. So, but yeah. it's amazing how many G one characters have been accounted for now. <laughs> uh, but you know, um, I. I, I hear what you're saying, actually, and, and um, yeah, I that thought had already occurred to me. So yeah, okay. we'll, see, we'll see. There may be things around the corner which um, which play on that. But yeah, it's good. Did I get ahead of the brain? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I answered very quickly to say yes. Um, I'd already thought of that. <laughs> no, but um, then there's every possibility that that is. Uh, I, I, the I, case. That one issue got me thinking about how much other really crazy stuff could be out there, right? Yeah. That it's. That the Decepticons as an organization mm. were massive. <clears throat> yes. Right? Yeah. And it, sure, Megatron had this change of heart and he's, you know, trying to do different things, mm-hmm. but his organization is still running. Right? Yeah. And the word has not spread as the DJG fan. I mean, well, well, uh, yeah, I mean, they, um, it's, it's reached different people at different <coughs> times, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Death, Death Saurus knew about it mm-hmm. um, by that point. But I mean, the scavengers two-parter is really about what what if you're a Decepticon, what do you do mm-hmm. when it all stops? Right. Um, that's 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 what drives the two-parter. Right. So I had I, I think I, was, I said I said on Twitter a while ago I had a real fun writing those two issues. Um, I really like the characters. Um, you know that you're going to see more of them um, in series three definitely, um, and it was just really refreshing to to. Um, yeah, to explore for them. If your if your whole life has been because because it's 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 like conscription in a sense. I mean, um, or it's like any um, heavily militarized, organized um, situation. Yeah, your your life, your days are mapped out for you. You know, you're, you've you've got your energon rations, or you've got your money. You know, you don't have to think much. Um, and you'll see the, the scavengers story. What happens when that discipline disappears? And it's not it's not pretty. Um, and they're they're and there are going to be little offshoots, uh, little Decepticon um, sort of communities that decide actually there's there's elements of that that we needed and that we're gonna um, we're gonna we're gonna strive to retain, you know, notwithstanding Megatron's order to to stand down. Yeah, I mean, I'm just um, 
I think it's great that we've managed to. What it, it was it, the Death of Optimus Prime was was December twenty eleven. Yeah, you know, and we're, we're talking about the issue fifties, which is going to be spring twenty sixteen. Um, and I know, you know, if you squint, I mean, the conflicts are still there, but but you know, fundamentally, the war is still over. And um, you know, um, I imagine there are lots of people when when we went in that direction that thought this was. You know, in, in in comic book world, this is typically going to be it's going to be a six issue thing. Maybe we'll stretch it out for a year, and then the status quo will uh, will kick back in. But no, it's um, you know more more power to both Hasbro and IDW for 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 letting letting the creative teams you know stick with it and uh, and, and develop it further. Yeah, and it looks like we do with Megatron. I think there's still a question as to whether or not he's completely had a change of heart. Yes, I think you've, you've dropped a little bit of just little crumbs that that make make the reader question if Megatron is is really sincere or if he's biding his time yes. or and yeah. or if with Ravage there, Ravage is working on him and maybe trying to convince him that no, you really shouldn't. Uh, the course you've chosen is not the correct <laughs> one, and maybe come come back to the dark side. Yeah, the, the devil on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Megatron spends, as you would have seen, spends a lot of his time deep in thought. Uh, he's very contemplative, uh, and um, yeah, it's it's things are really as straightforward as, as as we'd like them to be. You know, both in ourselves and, and you know, as, as as readers, you know, trying to make sense of it. Of That's, character off. I'm I'm sorry, and shut me up if I'm being <laughs> ignorant. That Megatron is also dessert for everybody. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Stick with season, he's season two's dessert. He's yeah. season two's dessert. Yeah. This is a guy who who uh, has had people trying to throw him out of power, and all of a sudden, the wussiest Autobot on the planet saves his life, and that changes him at the core. Mm-hmm. As as somebody who doesn't buy these books but wants a reason to buy them, okay. who wants to enjoy these stories but doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, no, look, no, no. I, that, look, I'm sorry. That you, is, your, is, your, is this question come in with write some better? No, 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 no. I ju- literally on the plane flight yeah, from Alaska, yeah. I read Last Hand of the Records. Okay, okay, okay. Phenomenal writing. I, I, I enjoyed the story. The for me, the weak part of Last Hand of the Records is these are B Squad characters. Mm-hmm. I have no heart attachment. That's okay. the problem. Uh, in in my view. Um, and, and, uh, to stay on track. So, yeah, so, so Megatron yeah. is, is the ice cream. He is, he is wrestling with the fact that an Autobot who was, was, who didn't care for him saved his mm-hmm. life. This changes him at the core. But the question is, is he actually an Autobot? Mm-hmm. So why, I mean, Transformers is good versus evil. If you've got uh, three or four or five Autobots on on the Lost Light who are brooding the fact that Megatron has such seniority, Mm -hmm. and they just catch him in the hallway and beat the living shit out of him, Mm -hmm. is the reader... I mean, as as people who understand the difference of good versus evil, are the people... Are the readers going to cry? Are they going to be scared? Are they going to be upset? Are they going to have feelings for this guy that we're still not sure what side he's on? And who's going to pick him up and dust him off yeah. after that's over? Yeah. Well, if that were to happen, and readers were to fear, were to side with Megatron in that scenario, then 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 my job I've done my job then really because, right yeah. So um, I mean, 
yeah, we, yeah you're supposed to um you're you're supposed to sympathize with him to a degree you're supposed to be skeptical about his motives to a degree um you know it's it's all it's, the, the telling of the story is as much about what you don't say as what you do say. It's about the the, the selective withholding of information. Yes. Um, and so, that, and we're still that's that's where we are with Megatron. Still, I mean, your 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 observation is sound. Can we trust him? Well, can we trust him? You know, we we're not there yet. It, 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 one way or another. If if you're if if as a reader you have doubts, then those those are sound doubts. Those those are understandable doubts. Um, and then if we step outside of the sort of, if we step, step into the real world for a bit, I mean, you're talking about a, you know, an iconic pop culture villain. Um, you know, for a lot of people, Megatron with an Orzabal badge on is, is just, is just so dissonant. It's just so blasphemy. Anyway. <laughs> blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's blasphemous. It's just, it's too big a leap. Um, and, and when season two was, you know, was shaping up to be about this, that, that was, that was my concern is that, is that I, I'm very, very happy to, to, if I can steer the majority of readers to a position where, okay, I can, I can get the Megatron is, is, is trying to turn over a new leaf. I don't know if I trust him. That, that's a win, really. You know, that, that is, that is preferable to this, this is really doesn't stack up on any level that the Megatron could, you know, could be here. So I mean, when you if you if you go beyond records and you read more bits of the Iron Rubbers in Disguise, and you know we'll talk again if you if you get to the point where you're into season two and uh, you know. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> actually, well, Yoshi, uh, that scene that you described actually already happened in uh, issue twenty-eight. It wasn't five guys; it was one guy that jumped Megatron in the okay. hallway, and uh, it was Whirl, who was kind of a crazy Autobot. And actually, the Autobot that's responsible for making Megatron a Decepticon. Mm-hmm. And so he tried to, and he was goading Megatron to attack him in order to show the rest of the crew that he's still evil. Right. I, it, it, it just feels like, uh, there are a bunch of, there are a bunch of little desserts to be had. And there are far off, you know, we're stoked to see what happens when these things happen. But, you know, it, it seems like at, at the end, there, of, there is, sorry, Jen, no. there, is, there isn't a, um, maybe there isn't, well, the only way you're going to get a dessert in this context with Megatron is if he shows his true colors and, 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 and is, becomes a bad guy again. That might happen. Might, but if it doesn't happen, what's the equivalent dessert? You know, I guess he'll have to do something. So you have to, you have to no. act in such a way that, that makes you think, okay, this guy's on the level now. He really has, he really has changed. So we do have, we have, I'm going to speculate that mm-hmm. there, we go, we are going to have an upcoming confrontation between Tarn, Megatron's biggest, most, uh, devoted disciple or most hardcore disciple. And now that with issue number 39, where he's basically, turned on Megatron and declared Megatron the ultimate apostate and is now gunning for Megatron. So we have Megatron, the original Decepticon, confronting Tarn, the original convert who is now... Uh, a de facto leader really, yeah. uh, of, the, of the sort of, you know, yeah. uh, space-based Decepticons, yeah. a lot of them anyway. Yeah. So that that confrontation, I think, is, is coming. Maybe that's the dessert you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I, I I love the writing process, and I love I love to 
I could I could take this a long ways because I'd be curious as to how you would educate me into why my thinking is retarded. Uh, but I'll stop derailing. I'll, I'll stop. I shouldn't say retarded. I should say smegged up. Why am I? We. I mean, we could talk about the the DJD a little bit as well. <coughs> the issue that focused on them mm-hmm. uh, gave entirely new aspect to their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, some loved it. Some <laughs> some didn't. Um, myself was the latter in the mm-hmm. fact that I had expected the DJD to be um, bad guys. Always. Yeah. And forever. Okay. Right? Uh, yeah. But tell me then, how how is that going to play out over 20 pages or 22 pages back then or 20 pages? Because this this was this was the issue for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the banality of evil really. Okay, they're, they're, they're as badass as they seem. You yeah. know? Okay. So we've got 20 pages of them being 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 awful, both yes. awful to each other. I mean, this you're you're looking behind the scenes when they're not on duty, when they're yeah. not when not projecting this image that they've got. Because don't forget, so much of the DJD is um, the myth of the DJD is is is, is it's reputational, isn't it? It's, it's right. because of it's it's uh, they they create a terror around themselves. Yes, they trade on that. Yeah. I mean, they they perpetrate the most deliberately. Uh, exaggerated crimes mm-hmm. um, in order to uh, ferment this 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 myth that they are you know they're just the worst thing you can encounter. Um, so they rule by fear. Um, are you going? Are they? How how, how are they going to act? Given that they're a team, how are they going to act when they're among each other when they're not on the stage mm-hmm. um, in a way which? Uh, which sort of preserves that that uh, extreme evil. I, I just didn't. Th- I just didn't think that they were they were going to do that. Yeah. Um, I also I thought it would make for a, for. A, I mean, again, this is. I'm, I'm I'm not trying to dissuade you from what you thought. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. you think is what you think. But I mean, from my perspective, um, they 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 were very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we'd see d- deliberately um, until that point. We'd only ever seen them through the eyes of others, really. Right. Um, or we'd seen them when they're when they're performing. Right. So we so we knew of them through reputation. We we were led to we were encouraged to infer how how awful they were through the fear that they inspired in others. And when we saw them kill somebody, it was performance, you know. Right. Um, so this was the first time. Uh, so okay. So I thought right. If we're gonna if we're gonna make them more than just one dimensional bogeyman, yes. we need to get under their skin. Um, and and issue thirty nine was the result. So you see, you know, I mean, I hope. That the threat that they pose isn't diminished. I know some people feel it is because they've seen they seem more human, but I mean they they're just as dangerous. Um, they, they're, they're in their physicality and in their threat level is the same. But what you've seen in issue thirty nine is is um, that much uh, much like um, elements of of you know World War Two, um, you know there, there is an, there is administration behind behind it. There, it, it was a um, you know Tarn is Tarn is exceptionally officious. Um, again, I suppose it's the banality of evil in a different way. It's sort yes. of saying, you know, that beyond beyond the the sort of theatrics, they, they've, they've got a job to do. They've always been very professional uh, in, in how they go about, um, you know, killing people one by one. Right. So you sort of, in order to um, imbue that that sort of professionalism and keep the show running, Tarn has had to become almost managerial uh, in how he approaches things. So you get you, you know you get the appraisals, you get the performance targets and things. And yeah, part of me liked, in addition to what I've said, um, I like the the, uh, the the contrast 
between his sort of, you know, um, exaggerated villainy um, when he's killing somebody and the, you know, behind the scenes where it's paperwork and it's, you know, it's health and safety and stuff. Um, so that, that was, that was the riff which sort of, you know, powered a lot of that story. Um, the nickel thing, um, which you haven't mentioned nickel, but I'm sure she was, she was in your thoughts as well. I mean, that was, um, I, I like the idea of there, of there being uh, someone that cared for them um, and that someone that wasn't afraid of them. So she hasn't had the benefit or the disbenefit of the, the DJG sort of terror story. Right. She was, she was, she was picked up by them, saved by them in, in, in some respects. Um, yes, she, a bit like tailgate in a sense. She's only ever known, um, she's been given an exceptionally biased account of the Autobot Decepticon war. She's, she's bought into that definitely. And maybe her character is such that she's found it easy to, to buy into that. But the point is that she, she's been taken in by them. Um, and she, you know, she's got a unique place among the team. She can talk. Uh, she can, she can boss them around. She can, she can, uh, you know, um, yeah, you know, she can give as good as she gets. And again, it was about introducing an unexpected dynamic, um, which, which allowed me to show, you know, show different reactions and show how they played off each other and, and explore their characters like that. Um, so that was, that was my thinking in, in going there uh, with issue 39. When you sit down to write issue 39, what, where do you, how do you make the decision from, you can write a book that's scary, keeping them one dimensional, where when everybody flips to the last page, you're like, damn, to, uh, these characters need to have a background. What, how, how do you make that? Why? How and why? Do you yeah, make that yeah. I mean, if um, I mean, the, the DJD have got there's places for them still to go, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean that they're 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 not minor characters, um, and so I guess there there was I thought there was a need to uh, invest invest in them, you know, in terms of giving them some more motivation individually to, to make them indiv- individualistic. Actually, that and that's often a problem. I think is that you know. You need something which sets them apart other than what they look like, you know? Um, Why? Because if all, if every, if, if everyone I wrote about was a fundamentally the same character, but differentiated purely by their design, then we wouldn't have got past issue six, you know? It was just, it, you wouldn't, the thing, there would be no dessert because you'd have no hunger for it. It would just, you know. Would, yeah, but you're, you're talking about, you're talking about one elite squadron. Yeah. That, that, yep. that, that, have you seen Firefly? Uh, I've seen the first episode, actually, of Firefly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've seen Firefly. Most of it a while ago. <laughs> yeah. You've seen Firefly. <laughs> there is 13 episodes in a movie, movie. where you've well, seen Serenity. So, okay. Two things. <laughs> okay. You've got, you've got a bad... I mean, you, it's like the X-Files, where they have a villain of the week, more or less. But the Reavers are underlined through every... I mean, just the mention of their name on the show strikes fear in, in the viewer. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, did do uh, So are those... I, I mean, would the writers of that show be upset that they haven't given this... They only had 13-ish episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's you know, no. I mean, you're, it depends what what function do you want? Do you want these these, these characters to perform? You know, if if um, and actually, I, I tell you, I think as well, it, um, the the faceless, relentless, super powerful adversaries work best on on a large scale. If it is an army, I think that works. Mm-hmm. We're talking about we're talking about yeah, obviously five. Um, you know. Five characters that, that, that exist as a unit. I, I, I mean, as far as I know, the, the Reavers, they're up there. They are multitude, aren't they? There's a lot of them. Right. It's not just, you know, if it was just, 
if it was analogous to fire to, to the um what's the name of the ship in Firefly? Because it's not Firefly, it's a Firefly class ship or something. Serenity. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that movie really went in my head, didn't it? And it really sunk. In. All bad example. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if, if 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 the ship of Serenity was, if there was a another Serenity type ship with with the five Reavers in, uh, you did well, I would expect to get some insight into what into what motivates them. But um, yeah, so so I think, and you know, like I say. The, they've got their own arc. The, uh, the, the, and by the end of C thirty nine, they've um, they, they've formed an, an alliance with Deathsaurus and his and his team, and and collectively they've declared war on on Megatron. Really, so it's it's going places that that particular plot. Yeah, I mean, I guess that it depends on what you're what you want out of your villain. If if the villain is there to motivate your protagonist, then having just the unstoppable villain that. You don't see any insight into their character. They're just a force to be reckoned with. That's one way to go. But if you if you want to explore the villain's right. motivation and personality, then sure. And 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 part of this is is your guys's fault because this issue was <laughs> it is because this issue was coming out. And you're like DJD are fucking badass, man. We, I can't wait to review this one. You know, I mean, you, you guys set the bar really high, and and it, it I I didn't get over the bar. <laughs> And, you know, I, uh, what's it, uh, the writer of Hut, J- Joseph Loeb, he he came in to write Batman. And, uh, he, you know, as, as I understand, it, he hadn't written any previous Batman stories, but he came in and he just figured, okay, what does the reader want to read? The reader wants to read Batman fighting everybody, including Superman. Mm-hmm. So he wrote the Hush miniseries. Phenomenal. And it's what it is. It's, it's, it's Batman fighting everybody. Because he hadn't been fighting anybody for a long time, so that's an old book. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to collect it. Like, <laughs> so all I've heard so far is that Batman fights people. And it's like, no, I, think, I, think, I think you're safe. On exactly. Uh, so you've got, you know, it's not. It's not fair for me to say that. As a writer, he had his own approach to addressing how to address but a character. Two, two things there. Okay, firstly, you've given me an example of of, 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 a, of, a, of, a, of a writer, a good writer, of a writer who who gave the fans what he thought they wanted. Now, earlier on, that was that was presented to me in a pejorative sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where's the answer? I don't know. The second thing is. Um, there was a lot of people that felt, and maybe do feel, that the DJD were too powerful. You know, there was criticism because they were like these uber badass characters, uh, and they were unrealistic and so on and so forth. So my point is only that, that it is impossible to deliver to every yeah. facet of the, of the readership what they want. Yeah. Um, really now, true. maybe, maybe the majority are, unha- are unhappy that the DJD were presented as they were in 39. I don't know. But I mean, um, what fascinates me is why define badass? Why are they less bad? What were they defeated in thirty nine? Were, were, <laughs> were they presented as being they were presented as being dependent on on on, on Nucleon? But I mean, yeah, they're, they're no less a threat than they than they were. So what you know what diminished them by giving them the personalities? Yeah, or giving them deeper personalities than they yeah. had. You have removed the mystery of who they are. So is mystery. So is 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 presenting a villain as as badass then dependent on them being unknowable? That no, in in I, I feel in this scenario where I was I was presented mm-hmm. DJD are a fucking badass and every time they get in it's like 
God, we're going to turn the page. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that because you have uh, a cavalcade of other villains mm-hmm. that don't have to be uh, one-dimensional at all. You've got an entire Decepticon catalog that doesn't have to be one-dimensional. But here, here was an elite fighting squad that comes in, mm-hmm. annihilates, and leaves. I mean, just the thought of them strikes fear in Voldemort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that repu- that's still the case. That for for every Autobot out there, every Decepticon out there, um, they are still they are still terrified. I mean, we'd seen earlier on in season two, they annihilated the entire Lost Light. They killed everybody. Um, you know that, and that that's that's their threat level. That threat level hasn't changed. Um, what you've got out of thirty nine is. Um, well, I see a look behind the scenes and I, an, an insight into why they do what they do. Um, I mean, I, I, I get, I, I get the argument that by, by granting access to their, their inner thoughts or their, or their characters or by, by, by adding a dimension to their characters, then, then it's, um, it's, it's taken the edge off there as sort of a, Sort of almost existential threat. This, this sort of you know this 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 relentlessly implacable uh, death wave. You know, so um, yeah, and I can't, I can't like, like a bit like I said to you. I can't I can't argue against that. If that's if that's the net result, then that's the shame because um, I still like. Not supposed to like the asshole. I still like the characters. Yeah, and 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 the only I mean it's not even a complaint. The only thing that. <laughs> caught me off guard was the the amount of comedy that was in the the uh, written into the issue, right? Um, and I think we mentioned on the podcast it was like an episode of The Office, mm-hmm. right? And it was it was just it was not what I was expecting from mm-hmm. the DJD, right? Maybe you know, yes, elite and 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 organized oh, and like a military yeah. thing. I mean, and it was all good. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about. Comedic issue where the main character attempts suicide. You know, it's not. It's not froth. Um, I mean, the, the, I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that because because it's been said more than once. But I mean, I think if you looked at the issue, you're really talking about nickel. You know, outside of that, you've got you've got a character at the beginning right. that's tortured to death yes. uh, for their religious beliefs. You've got you've got a character in Tarn. Who is so devastated by by the the betrayal of his mentor that he tries to kill himself through an overdose, um, and then you've got at the end you've, well, you've got a fight at the end um, and an alliance. Um, in amongst that, you've got the introduction of a new character who, not being the frontline kill crazy DJ Dita, you know, um, treats treats the others in a, in a less in, in a less respectful way. Um, it's certainly not as, not as comedic as, as you get on the Lost Light. I mean, they're, right. they're not killers. But I mean, I would say if you, if you break that issue down, um, the, the so-called comedy is confined to her interactions with the others. Right. The rest, the rest and you're is, probably right. Yeah. As the writer. <laughs> I can't play that card. It's not my right. Once, once, once the issue's out there, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, 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 it's yours. Yeah. But I mean, that was, um, that's my response anyway. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I mean, I, maybe I'm the odd man out here, but I actually really enjoyed that because as a reader, I like to be surprised where my yeah. expectations are kind of turned on their head. Yeah. And I think I got that out of that issue. And 
I work in a corporate environment, so I'm quite familiar with balanced scorecards. <laughs> so when that yeah. when that term came out in the book, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. But I, did, I mean, I did. I, that that was that was the point as well. It, it, it was what's what's the most incongruous thing you can have, really? You know, behind the scenes, and it's, it's to find that you know they are uh, that they're just as preoccupied with with the the minutiae of uh, of, of officedom. Of course, the real criticism is how are there two blips? There's this blip yes, here, and then there yes, was a blip back yeah. in issue twelve. I know, well, so, so if you're being chased by the D- DJD, you're going to try and disguise yourself. <laughs> is my explanation for today. <laughs> One thing also about Nichols, so she's, uh, I guess we can say she's she's probably suffered a pretty traumatic event, and that her, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, her sorry. entire. Yeah. That, that's another. Comedy moment. <laughs> and you've got a Holocaust survivor, essentially, or a genocide survivor that they pick up that's so traumatized you're yeah. falling with you. Yeah, so she, so she survived. It's just gag after gag, that is here. <laughs> yeah, she survived the annihilation of, of her world, essentially, yeah. and she's picked up by uh, these Decepticons and indoctrinated in a sense, but in this. Also, I mean, you can be indoctrinated, but also they do. They're not lying to her. They don't lie to her about what they do. They, you know, well, they, she does, yeah, she yeah, does, they, she they go and, yeah. and I mean, she says it herself, like you're going around torturing people and torturing people to death. Yeah. And I, I just wonder how, like, even, even in the, even in the face of saying, okay, my civilization is being annihilated by, uh, mm. you know, evil organics mm. and the DJD has rescued me and they tell me, well, it's not just the organics. It's basically everybody who doesn't conform to our cause mm. is a threat to us and in order to deal with that we must go and torture everybody to death yeah. I mean Nickel uh, it's it, I'm curious to see how, how Nickel's psyche accepted that and then is you know has become a part of that team yeah I mean but you've, you've sort of given you've given a good explanation for, for, for the I don't, I don't know if I can add much I mean yeah. it, it comes down to, to belief in the cause if um, you know it as in real life, if you if you th- if if the ends justify the means in your mi- in your mind, then then you'll 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 go along with the means. That's where we are with Nicole. But you know the extent to which she's doing that because of what she experienced. You know, um, you know we're, we're, we've got we've got more things to explore. So. I guess one one other thing uh, when we're we're building this whole universe where Cybertron has been cut off from these colonies that have been however far away from. Uh, from that planet for eons, but it seems like at least some information has been leaking from the edges in and, mm. and outward. Because we did have a mention where um, uh, when Rung Rung acquired the copy of Megatron's uh, oh, yeah. manifesto from uh, yeah from I, I think it was from Nautica. Mm-hmm. So Nautica found this out on another world somewhere. So it seems like information is spreading, but. You know, I guess the the all the Autobots and Decepticons were so wrapped up in their yes. war they never noticed that these other worlds and other other Cybertrons existed. But they at least are peripherally getting this this knowledge. Yeah, it's 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 seeping out. Um, yeah. yeah, different speeds and different rates. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, not not to sort of segue too much into real life versus in universe stuff. I mean, it's um, the universe is being being built outwards yeah. narratively as well. So you know, you're sort of having to. Retroactively, sort of, you know, yeah. uh, fill in some blanks. You know, okay, add some yeah. details. Yeah, but I mean, no, but okay. In in universe, then, yeah, the the principle that you, you've outlined is sound. I mean, there's a 
it's a galact it's a well it's a civil war on a galactic scale yeah. um, you know god god knows how many planets have been subjugated and plated and stuff so the um the galactic council may have been formed in response to the you know the ammonites war um but you know the the we've established that the the transformers race the cybertronians are recognized as as like a a, a class 1 threat you know so they they there's reputational damage you know rippling outwards from cybertron yeah, I guess also the uh, the Megatron's whole in issue thirty nine. You also explore how Megatron's ideology of freedom and equality turned into mm-hmm. one of subjugating all organic races, which was uh, I, I thought it was it was interesting, and also uh, I think it mirrored a lot of what happens with ideologies on in the real world, where things get perverted and yeah, and yeah, absolutely. No, it's um. It's, you know, you, it's very easy to happen. It's very easy because, and, and it's like this, this whole idea of, um, you know, the, the, your motivation for acquiring power in some cases, yeah, it starts off as being entirely, you know, uh, you know, morally, entirely moral and, um, and, and pure, pure. Uh, but then when, when power is acquired, you know, the desire to hold onto it, to consolidate it and to grow it increases. Um, as you say, in in the real world, and and, and Megatron's no different, really. Um, he'd he'd essentially won, as we as we said in issue thirty nine. I mean, there was still some resistance, but the, the planet had essentially fallen to him. Um, the functionists were gone. Um, and yeah, and then and then he looks outward, looks outwards, and he and and sometimes it's it's you need to invent a threat in order to to justify the retention of the power structures which support you in power. And that there's there's a lot of that in what Megatron did. Uh, going back to just to, I mean, maybe this is touching on future stories. Uh, one thing we've seen, like the the pre the functionist uh, society mm-hmm. and then the post functionist society, but we have, I mean, we've seen a little bit of the transition where Megatron mm. uh, in Megatron Origin and, and later he overthrows the Senate, he kills all the senators, but don't really see what happened to the actual functionist council. Do you plan to explore that a little bit? Yeah, I. Um, but there are vague plans. I mean, I when I when I wrote um, Elegant Chaos, I mean, there was a lot of stuff which which I took out for space um, around um, yeah around the fate of the of the functionists um, and also the uh, you know Nominus Prime and Sentinel Prime and all that stuff and Zeta Prime in particular. Um, I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if we go back there. I, d- I don't know what the pretext will be, but yeah, there's going to be another story. Good. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess maybe we, uh, yeah, we're we're getting we've we've gone on for a little while, so maybe we'll 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 wrap it up a little. <laughs> I guess I, I know you're not you're not on this book, but uh, recently at SDCC they announced the the sins of the wreckers, a miniseries yep. written by Nick Roche, um, and of course you co-wrote uh, Last Stand of the Wreckers with him, and uh, people have been clamoring for some picking up some of those plot threads, <laughs> and it looks like they will. And so I'm wondering if, do you have any involvement with him? Is he bouncing ideas off of you or is it all completely you're going to be surprised with everyone else? Um, he's not bouncing ideas off me. I, I know what happens in it because, uh, you know, because we talk. Okay. Um, but um, at the same time, I'm going to be, I'm going to be as close to an old school fan, Transformers fan, as it's possible to be. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. And, uh, you know, um, it will not disappoint. It's going to be. It's going to be huge. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. And does it does it have repercussions on the on any of the running more than meets the eye um, storylines? It, it, 
it's it has yeah and to reuse to reuse what I've said earlier it, it, there are ripples things ripple out maybe not maybe not more than meets the eye at first maybe you know um, it's it's a it's it's a it's an important book um, and the, and, the, and you all know the characters in it I mean they're they're big characters um, in Prow um, I think um, he's, he's he's involved in it um, yeah so I mean it's um, yeah it it would be impossible for for it to for those events to happen without there being you know um, you know, repercussions. So I, feel, I can't say any more because it's no, it's not mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've we've already uh, we've already asked Nick for an interview coming up. Oh so. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's in the works. <laughs> we have um, been hearing a lot of news, and there were press releases throughout uh, a couple months ago uh, regarding the uh, the live action movies writers' oh, yeah. room mm-hmm. that uh, they were building. Uh, many famous movie writers, some comic writers, uh, Robert Kirkman of, of name, um, and uh, funnily enough, no existing Transformers writers were on the list. Um, did they happen to contact you at all? Would you be surprised if uh, they bounced any ideas off you through the through that? Or um, what well, do you know about that? <laughs> They, they apparently were going to pick up the phone to me, and then issue thirty nine came out, and they just said, <laughs> "Really, you really pulled that up, mate." Um, no, um, no. I mean, it's no. I, I, I don't know. I was I wasn't. Uh, and, and as far as I know, John uh, and Megrade and others weren't weren't approached. But uh, maybe one day we will see. We'll see. I mean, they've got a a pretty respectable team of writers uh, they've put together there. So. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago because when they released the the announcement in the press release, they talked about the rich mm. history of the Transformers, the toys, the cartoons, the movies, <laughs> and conspicuously yeah, absent yes. was the comics. And Which, I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I know I'm sure they're aware of the comics, but I have been. I've been banging the drum that, at least in my opinion, the best Transformers storytelling is in the comics, both the the G1 stuff in the 80s and the modern Mm. stuff today. That's where you get the best storytelling. And I, and I I think, I think they've, um, I think they've mined the comics more than any other, any other, um, mediums, you know, for for a lot of the ideas in the live action films so far. You know, I mean, a lot of the characters um, and the concepts that have, and not just the comics, but the TV series too. But I mean, the comics have, have punched above their weight in terms of contributing um, you know, scenarios and characters, as I say. So, yeah, I mean, there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I mean, I hope, yeah, I hope. Um, <laughs> We're interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think? Anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're branching out, that they're um, you know, exploring other aspects of the, of the universe. And as I say, I, it's, a, it's a good bunch of writers they've got um, you know, in, in sort of the, the brain, um, the brain trust. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love the opportunity to contribute. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess one other kind of uh, plot issue. Uh, you've kind of lost first aid, I guess, to mm-hmm. Combiner Wars. Is there any chance of him? Coming back, I think it seemed like his arc got kind of cut short. I guess a little bit. Um, no comment. We'll see. Okay. You'll, you'll, sorry, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be good this weekend. Actually, and, uh, there's been quite a few questions, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm having to say, right, well, you know, what's what's on the page is, you know, that's what you've got to go on. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, first aid is um, is is a is a central character to all the So yeah. 
That's what I'll say. Can you comment at all on the on the sales numbers for for more than BCI? Um, mm-hmm. From I mean, we don't monitor them like as far as the mm-hmm. the paper copies that we we could get access to on the internet. But uh, from what we gathered, it it basically kind of stuck around fifteen thousand copies and and didn't really go anywhere. Um, but that obviously doesn't take into consideration the uh, the digital downloads at all. Mm-hmm. Right, which uh, could be that doubled or, or whatnot, and you know, it's we talked about it on the show that like more than BCI, it was even referenced in an article that it's the best book nobody's reading, right? Which is very unfortunate. I mean, I, I'm a part of a, a subreddit on, on the internet that basically we're trying to push it to everybody, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's getting read, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean the um, well, there's two two parts to the answer. Really, the, I wish more people read it. Um, I, and I liked, in a, in a strange way, I like to think that the reason they don't is not because they've sampled it and rejected it, but because you know it, it's it's freighted with with a certain. It's not just Transformers. There there is a, there is a licensed properties thing. It seems to me, um, which which for some people. Uh, and it shouldn't be for some people. It is a, is a barrier to something in the book. Um, but you know, in terms of sales, I mean, fifteen thousand probably was was the peak for the first issue because you know there was it was it was the first issue. It was, it was a big launch, and there was like five covers to it. It's pretty much physical copies in North America, at least. It's been around the, the ten thousand mark for both books. Actually, there's very little between um, RID and, and Um But we're now, you know, in January. That's going to be the beginning of the fourth year of the book. And it's and it's um, while the numbers are, rel- are modest relative to to other you know the big two, it's 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 incredibly rare for a book to to consistently to to be to be solid on those numbers, um, which says a lot of, you know, about 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 fan loyalty, I guess, and hopefully about the quality of the of the, of the books. So so you know we're really happy that it's it just it's it's holding really steady. Um, digitally, it's doing really well. Uh, more than meets the eye. I mean, um, um, in recent months we've 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 hit new records in terms of comicsology sales. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was number eight in the charts for issue forty-one, I think. Um, and issue it got to number nine last last issue. Um, it reached, reached number three uh, in the UK comicsology charts for downloads. Um, so that's uh, so that that's that's really encouraging as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trades apparently are doing really well. Um, it, I think it's one of those books actually where. There's and maybe this takes us right back to the questions about you know um, about the more than meets the eyeness of it, mm-hmm. um, but it seems it seems to us that there, there's um, there's a group of fan of readers um, that maybe don't pick up other Transformers books that consume more than meets the eye digitally, uh, and that will probably pick up the trades but not the not the floppies, um, and um, and that's like and, and they are they they they're an important and distinct part of the readership so. Uh, that seems to be um, partly what accounts for its chart placements for Amazonology and, and the high trade sales. So, do you think uh, I, I've noticed that Chris Sims at uh, mm. Comics Alliance have has taken the task of he going has. through? He's, he's going very. He's 
going through it very fast. Yeah. I'm very impressed by that. I mean, he's up to Dark Cybertron now, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, so he's about to stop. So, yeah, I mean, so I think that's that's a really positive encouragement because I see, like, he, he even start every article, he starts off like, <laughs> I was never into Transformers. <laughs> I never liked Transformers. Now we're going to see if reading, no, I, I took advantage of the Humble Bundle. Now we're going to see if yeah. reading these comics can turn me from someone who didn't know anything to mm-hmm. someone who uses Energon in every conversation. Yes. <laughs> and then he, he, and now with the, you know, that started off the articles. Now the later articles, he says, and Prime has helped me. It's working. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, at least I think there's a chance for, for converting people and, and has his articles have been cheerleading mm. the books. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, and that's really, I'm, I'm really pleased he's doing that. And there's, there's some other, you know, sort of high profile, um, cheerleaders for, for, for the, for the book with books. Um, it just needs to, I, I like to think it just needs people to give it a chance. And the same with Robots in Disguise, you know, sort of put any preconceptions to one side. Uh, and, and, you know, the way, you know, comics are, are, are distributed digitally these days and the way, um, such things are consumed, you do get, you know, you get single panels being put out there. Um, and, and it's nice when you see, sort of see a more than meets the panel, which tends to encapsulate what the series is about. It's usually a, a joke or, or something a bit off, off beam. Um, and it, it gets it gets passed around, it gets sent out, and um, that tends to bring people in that give it a go. But um, yeah, I suppose I'm 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 just really pleased we're we're coming up to issue fifty now, and um, you know it's both both more than meets the eye and, Rob- and X Robots in Disguise are now the sort of the second longest running Transformers books of all time. You know, so um, just need to get past issue one hundred to uh, you know Simon. Cheated a bit, you know, <laughs> sort of put it down and then he came back to it, you know, after about 20 years, you know, so that's added 20 to the total to beat. Thanks, so <laughs> But uh, it'd be nice to get there. Well, parents are always happy when their children surpass them. Right? So, uh, I'm sure Simon will be happy. Uh, Thanks, <laughs> Happy uh, if you guys would reach that milestone. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any more questions for you guys? Okay, thank, thanks so much for joining us. So, uh, we actually, in our, in the order of our episodes, we skipped over episode 113. So this <laughs> interview is because, is filling in that hole Excellent. of episode 113, uh, in honor of your favorite number there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, how fitting. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess 332 is the other big number. So yes. for me, so, um, yeah, okay, I'll be back here in five yeah. years' time. <laughs> if, if, we, if, if the podcast makes it to 332, we will definitely have you on for that uh, for that episode. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Thanks, guys. And, and taking the time out of your busy uh, TFCon weekend. And, uh, uh, my, my busy alcohol consumption. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. All right, uh, that's it, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoyed this interview. Uh, of course, uh, we always appreciate feedback on the, the podcast, so uh, hit us up on social media, leave us uh, comments on the website, give us ratings on iTunes and Stitcher. We always appreciate that. You can support us on Patreon or PayPal, all that good stuff. Don't forget our sponsor, PrimeToys.net. Collect the great toys without the collect the great prices. And don't forget to sign that G1 petition so we can bring back the G1 cartoon as a comic. Have you missed anything, guys? Daryl at transmissions.com. <laughs> Send that email, someone will read it. <laughs> Send all your complaints there. All right, thanks again, and we will talk to you next time. Bye bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody.
Thanks for picking up our transmissions. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com. There you can find all of our contact information on social media, as well as all of the links to our show notes discussed on each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.